Welcome to Top 5 Comics, people talking about comics, pop culture, and events. With us today, we have Ross, starring as Lucky Day. Wherever there's injustice, you will find us. We have CBS, starring as Dusty Bottoms. Wherever there's suffering, we'll be there. And we have Rob, starring as Ned Niederlin. Tell us we'll die like dogs. Um, you will die like dogs. No, we'll fight like lions, because we are... The Three Amigos! Where are you on that, Ross? Drop the ball <laughs> at the yai yai yais And the Amigos? I think I dropped the ball a long time before um, that. Really think, I like how he takes the blame, even though it's the two of us messing up over here. <laughs> Way to be a team player, Ross. Yeah, it's, it's true. It's, really it's true. See cause... what happens when Curtis doesn't show up? Oh my god, he's sick, which is unfortunate. I tried to stop him. No, not, not hard enough. <laughs> not, hard. not hard enough. <laughs> it, was, it was pretty hard. Uh, w- welcome to Top Lives Comics. Uh, I don't think I normally say that. Uh, today we're doing episode number 74? Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> that was even. That was terrible. Yeah, That's well, not the right sound at all. That's what I need Curtis here for. <laughs> uh, and today, book-wise, what we're going to be doing since last, since last episode, we got. What are you laughing about? That was the wrong sound. It's <laughs> <laughs> close, close enough. Okay. Once we get, uh, man. So last week we had two bonus episode, two bonus books that we did. So if you didn't listen to the last episode, then you'll feel like you got cheated on this episode. But yeah, it happens, you know. Sometimes you get the wrong change. Sometimes it's Canadian change. If you're in America, that matters. Uh, anyway, so today we're going to be doing <laughs> three books for the three amigos. Uh, man, out of control already. I don't have any clue what's happening. Uh, let's go ahead and start. With, so the first book we'll do is Street Fighter Charlie Nash Special Issue. Number one? Is sure. that the actual title? No, it's a Street Fighter V, The Life and Deaths of Charlie Nash. There you go. See, that's, that's better. Uh, and we'll follow that up by, uh, Green Lantern issue 50. Yeah, sweet. And then, uh, follow that up by Mockingbird number one. That's correct. Then after that, we'll do a little chatting about our favorite, uh, crossovers in comic books. Um, let's go ahead and start out first with a little bit of news from Ross and the dog pile. <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> First, uh, kind of giant thing of news is we got the new Captain America Civil War trailer. What, what, what? Which I'm starting to be more and more confused why it's called Captain America and not just Avengers Civil War. You take that back, Ross. <laughs> no, people have been complaining about that for a while. As really? Like Avengers 2.5. Yeah, because, I mean, it doesn't look like it's focused on Captain America, really, at all. I think once the film comes out, it's going to be more focused on Captain America than the trailers look. That would make more sense, I guess. But I bet there's a lot of stuff they don't want to give away, even though they're giving away just about everything. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I could see that. Really, like, the whole movie focuses on Captain America, but everyone else is still there, type thing. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. I think so, but they they're definitely... 
swinging for the fences, and it does. It it looks like an Avengers film instead mm -hmm. of a Captain America film. So, but it also looks badass. It does look really cool. Well, yeah. <laughs> it, I'm actually I think I was talking to Craig about this earlier, but it's kind of sad because Batman v Superman has my favorite comic book character of all time showing up in it, and I'm more excited about. Captain America Civil War, and I don't care nearly as much about any of those characters. Cyborg, isn't it? Yeah, Cyborg. Actually, he's probably close to number two, so you're not, <laughs> not too far off. You're, you're aiming for too high in the food chain, Rob. Oh, well, no, that's, that's, I think that was lower. That was lower tier. <laughs> lower tier is a character, yes. Higher tier is functioning list? can talk. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> Am I wrong? No, I'm pretty sure that Aquaman can talk. Hang on. I thought you were talking about crypto. Oh, oh I forgot about crypto. Oh. Well, Cy Cyborg gets booted down to number three, I guess. <clears throat> take take that, Cyborg. Is there is there a commercial with crypto? No. No. Oh, okay. That movie would become my favorite thing ever and not even have come out if it had crypto in it. <laughs> mostly mostly jokes, Rob. Okay. I doubt we're going to have a super dog in the movie. I don't Man, see that'd why be so not. awesome. They're just they're swinging for the fences. I think there's somebody sitting back there who's like, "All right, what can we cut already? <laughs> what films did we say we're gonna make that we can already get rid of?" See that? <laughs> See, I was once again talking to Craig about this, but on a on another podcast I was listening to, they were talking about what makes expanded universes really good, and I think where they've already screwed up with their DC movies is that they didn't make Superman different enough. Well, like, as a character, he's different, but they didn't give him the bright personality and the more... Because, you know, Superman tends to be hopeful and cheerful most of the time, and instead they're basing their entire movie franchise now off of the Superman movie that was, like, dark and destroy everything. And... Well, see, they get away with that because the S means hope. Oh, that's it. I've, I knew it had to have been something like that. <laughs> right, so it's like he has like a one of those pink bracelets on. <laughs> oh my and so that just covers it. He can be as big of a jerk as he wants. And he's about, oh, that. he's got a pink bracelet, man. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think that's how that works. Oh. I'm pretty sure the S stands for Schuster and Siegel. That's what I say. <laughs> there we go. And there's only one because they thought it was stupid if they put two. Well, mm. that's, uh, yeah, you have to come up with two names for it. Right. Honestly, um... This is totally off topic, but Superman American Alien has a thing where Lex Luthor is basically talking about people feeling so special they're walking around with their S on their shirt before Superman comes out. And I think he may have done it just to like rub it in his face. So like that was kind of a cool little take. That's cool. I like that better than it means hope because I said so. Yeah, that's stupid. <laughs> Anyways, I can continue though. What, what you finish your thought? Oh, that, that was it. I just think that those movies would be doing. I would be a whole lot more excited about a Batman v Superman movie if Batman was super dark and you had Superman that was like looking for the positive in things. And because right now it looks like it's a movie where they just don't like each other because they don't like each other. I'll give you that. Uh, I don't know as far as verses are concerned. I, for it being multiple universe, though, I mean. They're not really aiming at that, dude, so whatever. But I don't know. I, cheery side, evil side, what they're looking for is Frank Miller's Dark Knight. And in Frank Miller's Dark Knight, Superman was skewed by the government. Well, or by his choices with the government. So. But, but I feel like even in that, he still was Superman. Well, I, like, I don't feel like the 
the Man of Steel Superman got the character right. Mm. I I will give I'll give three points on it, and then I'll try to shut up because I get too far into the Superman thing. I I think probably what happened is Superman Returns nailed that kind of more hopeful Superman, and people universally hated the film. Now, granted, they didn't understand what they were going for, so I think that's why they went with a darker tone for Man of Steel. Probably, but. One of the things that they're building for for this is actually something they did in the Batman Superman comic, Mm -hmm. where Batman, instead of seeing the hope that Superman has or inspires, sees the danger of of a human being who's powerful enough to destroy a planet. Yeah. And so I think his actions are built on don't look this man... And and give him everything, you know. Don't don't think of him as this god who's here with no needs or intentions of his own. The downside is it's going to come. It kind of comes across almost like Superman's the bad guy, and Batman is the more righteous vigilante. Yeah. At least that's how it looks in the trailers. What do you mean comes across? He is the more righteous vigilante. But I just thought of something that would be awesome. Uh, so so what if this whole thing, like. And they use this as an excuse. You see, you saw Man of Steel from Batman's point of view. So that's why it was so much like, destroy everything and no one's safe. And I, th- I think a good deal of this film is actually going to be from Batman's point of view. Mm-hmm. Batman-inspired vision of the future. Mm-hmm. That, what he thinks Superman is going to, to create the world into. I just thought that'd be like a really cool, like, almost retcon, because how much... Because they really have, he's gotten a lot of slack for making Superman, so... so Out of control. Yeah. And actually, I rewatched the movie a couple days ago, because I, as I felt like I was kind of down on it, too. And I remember liking it. Like, I didn't remember thinking it was a bad movie. It was. I rewatched it. It was a really, really good movie. I just don't think they got the character of Superman. I think they, they tried to make Superman have, like, a grim past and stuff, too, to to... To follow through with that. Well, his father died in a tornado, Ross. I know it. Grim yeah, past. This is the stupidest tornado ever. Yeah. <laughs> that that was somebody should have took him aside and went, man, this is stupid. Don't do this. Don't do this story, where he dies in a tornado because Superman's just like, no, nah, I'm gonna hang out with the truck. Secret yeah. Identity. Well, he was hanging out with the dog and the mom. Yeah, well, it doesn't matter. Because it. I don't know. I liked the Superman where he's raised by his two parents, and, and they still had that in there a little bit, but then his dad dies, and he just was like, I'm going to go be a hobo somewhere. Yeah. And it's like... <laughs> yeah, no, the, the the background for it didn't make any sense. You know, even going with the, the old films, where mm-hmm. his dad dies of a heart attack. Much better opening, I think, because it's something that his powers can't stop. Mm-hmm. There's no there's no way that I would be like, no, nope, I guess Hurricane, act of God... Yeah, yeah. It, nature's way. There we go. Nature's <laughs> way. <laughs> Die of a hurricane. Like, I, no way that I would just accept that if I'm Superman. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I do think to to address kind of the the point of this darker Superman is that it's it's really hard to get both sides of a character right, mm. and I think that we can see that really well with Spider Man, mm. where. I think Tobey Maguire played Peter Parker better than he played as Spider-Man, where I think oh, yeah. that um, the second actor... To, to Andrew Garfield. Andrew Garfield played Spider-Man better than he ever played Peter Parker. Yeah. And I think that's what we're seeing with Superman right now, is I think we're seeing this actor is much better at playing Superman than he is playing Clark, Clark Kent. Kent. And so some of that humanity, I don't feel like is there. 
Yeah, I, I could agree with that. I think that's a good plan. Yeah, but I mean, of course, we don't actually see him play Clark Kent at all in the first movie either. He pretty much just shows up, his abs are on fire, and then he's Superman, <laughs> gets to the end of the film, puts on some sunglasses, or puts on some glasses, and he's Clark Kent. Yeah. So maybe maybe we'll get more of that in the next movie. Maybe this movie you'll get to see more of the Clark Kent mm-hmm. side of him. But I really wish they would have done Superman 2 first. Yeah. Because I think they failed at Superman 1 to establish who Superman is. Yeah, I would have liked that too. But they have six of the movies for you to draw from, Rob. Just like Spider-Man, Amazing Spider-Man 2, whenever Spider-Man and Oswald, or not Oswald, and Harry were friends. You saw the first three movies, didn't you? Mountain Dew Goblin, they were homies. <laughs> I, I think that's also something that works against a lot of these superhero film franchises. It's almost like you have to have somebody stand up in front of you and go, here's the guide. This doesn't get included, this gets included. Mm-hmm. Now, we're so close to it, we actually pick that up a lot. And, mm-hmm. and it is something that we've had to talk to people a whole lot about, like that you can't, you can't combine all four Spider-Man movies. They're not the same universe. Mm-hmm. They have Spider-Man in them, but that doesn't mean they're the same. Do you mean all five? Are yeah, you including the true. 70s? No. Oh. There's, there's, there's a three one, with two, them. three, and then Amazing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I guess if you don't count the Venom movie. Okay. Three, three Never mind. such a hole in my you're, mind. You're right. You're right. There's four. <laughs> the Venom movie doesn't count. <laughs> you're right. Well, we don't get Mountain Dew Goblin without three, so, I mean, we got to keep that in there. Oh, Mountain Dew Goblin. <laughs> He's extreme, Ross. <laughs> You saw him. That's true. He's extreme. <laughs> uh, although Harry Harry making the transition to Goblin could have been great. I, it probably would have been great had Venom not been there in Tober Grace. And... That movie had Sandman in it, too, didn't it? It did. That was the good part. Yeah, it was. What a, Whose idea was that to put three villains in one movie? Well, three villains in one movie is not the worst thing in the world, but... The corporate side of things really wanted Venom because the audience kept screaming for Venom. We want Venom now! And the way I, the way I understand it, Ted, or not Ted, Sam, Sam gosh, yeah. Sam wanted to make a Sandman movie. The one him and his wife wrote was a Sandman movie that could lead to the beginning of a black suit if necessary. Mm-hmm. But what the studio wanted was Venom now. And so Sam and his wife gave us Venom, I think on purpose to tank the thing. Oh. Because if you think about all the other parts of the movie, if you cut out the Venom chunks, the rest of the movie is fine. Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah. Probably, yeah, if they could have had more than that, just that. Yeah. Well, if they would have just let him do what he wanted to do, and if they were going to force the suit, so be it. Let the alien symbiote show up, let Spider-Man be a black for one whole movie... That'd have been then cool, yeah. At the end of the movie, be like, man, I'm feeling wasted or whatever. I'm more aggressive. I'm a jerk, not emo dance freak. <laughs> but, like, I'm being extremely out of control with people. And then decide that maybe it's a problem, and that leads you to movie four, which could be just a Venom movie. And then everyone clapped their hands and be like, we got Venom. Yeah. Maybe cool. it wouldn't have been terrible. It's true. I, unfortunately, here's one of the things that, that stinks about our world and and films there's a lot of fans that want really big things but you really can't give the fans what they want you need to give them a great story instead of just giving them whatever they feel like they want this week yep 
Well, it's, yeah, it's become a lot of fan service and not a lot of substance to the movies, it seems like. Well, it's true. And, and you look at, once again, I, like Marvel actually, I think, has knocked it out of the park. Mm-hmm. But Marvel teased us with Thanos. Did they give us Thanos in the next movie, even though people were like, oh, we need to have Thanos? No, they didn't. You know, they, mm-hmm. they just they kept holding that back so that we're going to have this big, colossal A-list villain in film three, where everything is going to be out on the table and it's going to be a big, big deciding point for Marvel as a film industry. Mm-hmm. Then you look at Batman versus Superman. Who are we looking at? Possibly Doomsday? Possibly Darkseid? Yeah, where do you maybe, go from there? Maybe even Bizarro was like... Yeah. So so what do we do for Justice League? Let's say they use both of them. Mm-hmm. They use Doomsday, Bizarro, and Darkseid. Let's say they just throw all three of them in there together, and it's like a Seinfeld episode for some reason. <laughs> I don't know. But we got all three, all right? What do we do next? Are we really going to go, oh, well, Metallo will be fine as a new villain for the Justice League? Are we... I mean... <laughs> well, let's do the sparrow, a big pink guy with a fin on his head. That'll That'd work. be awesome. Like I would love to see Starro in a movie, but it's never going to work. Yeah, that's yeah, the whole reason Watchmen doesn't have the giant squid at the end. Yeah, which is ridiculous because the, the squid doesn't make the movie, but it probably should have been there. No, makes more sense the way they did it. The squid's too much for people. Can't have the squid. And and, and that's the other thing. As as fans, you know, we know something. And sometimes it's too much for us to just be able to hold on to it and know. Mm. Like, like I would have loved to see a, a Spider-Man all-black suit movie. Mm. Just so I could know, ah, oh, yeah, Venom's there. But I don't know if it would be good enough for a fan base, mm-hmm. you know? Anyways, I'm sorry. Uh, I, I would have said it would have worked. But yeah, let's, let's get back to the Superman-Batman thing. You know, like you said, if, if we throw Darkseid in at the end, it's a cameo catch, okay. And Bizarro being... A possibility, too. I mean, it kind of seems like, from at least the one trailer, it seems like we have a Bizarro and Doomsday mix. But if you get the dark side in this movie, where do you go from there? I mean, that's the big problem. Yeah. Because what is the Justice League fight that's worse? You know, nothing. Mm-hmm. Which, I, to be honest, I've heard rumors that uh, that Darkseid's going to be the big Justice League villain, not necessarily the Batman v Superman. Which, which is, that's what I had heard as well. You know, and if they pull it off like the current Justice League series did with the introduction of Darkseid, mm. bully, it's going to work. Yeah. If they mess up and they go down the Warner Brothers recipe book and they kill Darkseid at the end of the story, I don't know. Yeah. You know, it's it's one of those things. Like, there's only so far that you can go. That's why we were looking at, you know, Batman 3 with Mr. Freeze, Two-Face, and the Riddler. And and going, well, geez, you know, I guess it would have been nice if we could have done a Joker story again. Too bad we killed him. <laughs> yeah. Well, those movies don't actually connect, Rob. No. Well, I, I think those ones No, do they don't. The Tim Burtons are sequels. The Schumachers are Batman 66. <laughs> well, I think, I think the first Schumacher one tried to be a sequel, though, to the Well, it, it, they tried to be, but they weren't. Yeah. Right? Which actually, that leads me to another thing of news that we found out this week. That's awesome. Thank God I'm tired of Marvel movies. Go on. That uh, they were going to have a Batman 89 comic. Which would have been fantastic. That never came out. Which would have been the Tim Burton Batman. Hmm. But it also would have shown Billy D. Williams' Two-Face. 
become Two Face. Okay. For those of you who don't know or aren't playing at home, it's Lando Calrissian. Yeah, and uh, uh, Robin and Batgirl show up in that style. So it would have been really cool because you would have got a continuation of those first two Tim Burton Batman movies. Yeah, that was a new sweet. Idea. Pictures are really, really good too. Like the artist that drew all the concept for it is awesome. Yeah, I was gonna say there's some production work art out there when they were pitching it. I mean, the art looked great. I mean, there's at least one cover, and it looked great. Mm. I, I would look it up for you guys, but my phone's dead. That's fine. That's all right. The people at the, at the home can't see it anyway. So look it up on your <laughs> own time or at your computer or on your phone. Preferably not if you're driving because it's not safe. Yeah. And don't stop to do it now. Do it after the show. <laughs> well, I mean, you can... Well, okay, yeah, probably. I don't know. And if you do, stop the whole show. That way we get a second play. Hey! <laughs> It's a good idea. I think I think you have to listen to it the whole way through for the cameras to so. play. Really? I don't think so. Hmm. I have a feeling that it tracks it as how much of it got played, but I don't think it counts as an initial click. Well, I know when it keeps track of my songs on my thing, you have to listen to it the whole way through for it to count as a play. Well, that's fancy. <laughs> so okay, fancy. So anyway. So don't. Go after you're done <laughs> to look at the, the paperwork for Batman 89. So what else do we have as news? Um, well, those were the, okay. No, those were the two big things I got. I mean, we also got a, a Ghostbusters, we actually got two Ghostbusters trailers since that's all been announced. And that's not really comic booky, but I bet there will be a comic book of it later. Probably. I mean, there's a comic series right now. Yeah. I, actually, I, I'm pretty excited. I think they all looked pretty good. Oh, yeah? The, I think the ghost effects were cool, and they actually made, like, pretty creepy-looking ghosts. And you saw Slimer in there. Slimer. That was pretty cool. I'll I'll give you that. So so is Slimer a girl? No. (laughs) That's weird. I don't know why that's weird. (laughs) Well, we're gender-swapping the cast. Well, see, and that's the thing, is we were worried about that, but that's not what they're doing. They're they're not the same characters at all. Oh, that's good, at least. Yeah, they're all... They're all scientists except for um, the black lady, which I forgot her name. She's she is basically Ernie Hudson. Everybody's favorite Ghostbuster. It's true. But the other three aren't like swaps of the other characters I'm necessarily. Losing, I'm losing even more hope in this movie. Are, are you telling me there's not going to be a snarky one that is kind of manipulative who may be faking a science experiment? It doesn't look like it. And there's not going to be a super smart one that invents all their stuff. Well, there's one that, that makes there a double set one. of guns. She's got crazy hair and, and got, got glasses on. And, and she, and and she acts crazy. And there's not going to be another one that's like super paranormal experience guy who gets possessed all the time? Yeah, it doesn't doesn't look like it necessarily. If, if so, that'll be McCarthy. I, I have a feeling that it's exactly what we thought it was. But maybe, <laughs> maybe not. Just because the girls have different names, Rob, doesn't mean it wasn't what we thought it was. You gotta expect the unexpected because it's definitely expecting you. I don't know if that helps me. <laughs> but they did. They did make fun of the, the, of them all being females, mm. and that they are having a meeting and they're trying to design their logo, and they, uh, Chris Hemsworth, who's their receptionist, draws draws the logo and he draws a girl ghost instead of. So the guy ghost. And then they're like, "What's this?" And he's like, well, I figured since, you know, you're all ladies that... And they're like, no, this is never going to work. That's bizarre. <laughs> so so 
their receptionist is a guy. He's Thor, Rob. Not yeah. just a guy. He's Odin's son. <laughs> yeah. How have you not seen this? I, I wonder if we can get a, a girl to be Rick Moranis in this film. I, I kind of get the feeling like that character is just not going to exist in this, to be honest. That's probably a good point. Yeah. I haven't seen the trailer yet, so... It looks it, exciting to me, at least. It looks but. exciting? Okay. And I know you're a Ghostbuster fan, mm. so that's that that's reassuring a bit. So Yeah, yeah. It, I'm, I tend to be more hopeful about all of them right at the beginning anyway, so I guess we'll see. It could be awful in the end, but... Right now, it looks like it'll be okay to me. Ross is a shiny, happy face. That's good. It's a better, better way to live. <laughs> well, there's that, I guess. <laughs> okay. Uh, any other news, Ross? I think that's all the news I have. That's, that's all the news you have this week, Rob. Anything? I was trying to think of something that I don't, I don't think I have any news. Bueller. Bueller. No. Do we talk about uh, Batman Superman having a rated R version that comes out on DVD? Oh, dear God. We talked about that last time. Did we? Okay. Yeah. I couldn't remember. It makes my brain hurt. I, I almost had a coronary. <laughs> <laughs> well, check your pulse. I guess we move on to books then in that my case. Big Fat Greek Wedding 2 DVD X rating. <laughs> Why not? <clears throat> Did they make a sequel to that? It's coming out. No, I don't think that's true. No, it is. It's coming out. It's that's, being made right now. That's crazy. Actually, it's it's beyond being made. It's ready to go. It's going to show up in theaters soon. I, I'm sorry me. that I even brought that up. Let's continue <laughs> on. <laughs> good good job, I guess. Well, there you go. Um, all right. So those of you who are still listening, um, God, let's go and move on to books. Just to let you know, there will be spoilers. Man. Uh, so let's do a little Street Fighter, Life and Death of Charlie Nash, Rob? Life and Death of Charlie Nash. So if you're a Street Fighter fan, um, you know that the storyline for it is a little all over the place. Because you pretty much skip Street Fighter 1 and go straight to Street Fighter 2. And then there's a kind of a bubble in the Street Fighter 3 and the Alpha series into Street Fighter 4 and 5. So one of the cool things that we have in this is that it actually clears up a lot of why Nash is going to show up in Street Fighter 5 and why he looks the way that he looks. But basically, this actually will sum up Nash's first exp uh, appearances in like the the endings for Guile in Street Fighter 2 into his whole time during Alpha and continues through the many times it seems like Charlie has died and then been resurrected in different ways. It also touches uh, one of the Street Fighter series that was done in the 90s, along with a brief cameo that he had in some of the Versus game where he was Shadow Charlie. Right, so basically he just gets the pieces of all of his all of his history sort of smashed together. Yeah, so it actually, this makes a cohesive Charlie Nash story. So if you've, if you've liked Charlie in the Alpha series, this will actually put all those pieces together and it'll explain why he's showing up in 5, even though he clearly died at the end of Street Fighter 2 or Street Fighter Alpha series. Right. Um, comes out from Udon Comics and Capcom. It does. Um, and we got artist, uh, I'm sorry, writer Christian Sabichi. Sabachi. Close enough. Uh, and Jennifer Cruz. What are you doing the, um, 
doing the artwork for it, which is beautiful, by the way. And we do actually, I think, have a second penciler. We actually got three or four different pencilers through this, but she does the lead. That's cool. The lead story. Um, another neat thing to kind of throw in here is that it, once again, ties in to part three, where we're seeing Gil be a bigger part of the Street Fighter history, which if you're not familiar with Gil, you look him up once, you'll never forget him. He's ridiculous looking. <laughs> um, the downside is there's so much content in here that is kind of spoilery. There's not a whole lot that we can explain about it, except for that this actually makes a very good, cohesive history for Charlie. Right. I mean, the end all be all with it is that if, if you were a fan of Charlie Nash and you're and you're trying to make sense of it and you only played one or two of the games, this would give you all the pieces you missed, depending on how what you've played with him and what endings you've seen and the contradictiveness. I mean, it kind of draws a straight line through it, sort of. Yeah. So. No, I would agree. Um, and it, once again, like that was one of my big questions coming into Street Fighter Five: is why is Charlie even alive? And this actually kind of brings that whole story up and his his new look, his Frankenstein style look. They explain that as well. So, nice. so I know that's incredibly brief, but that's that's pretty much what we got. Yeah, going I mean, on. it is what it is. It is what it is. I mean, like you said, you, any any more and things just become too much to give away for the book. Yeah, because I mean, it's it's great history for him, but. You know, I, the, the whole book is kind of spoiler a little, a little in that regard. So. Yeah, I want to say a couple of them today or that way. Um, well, Rob, go and give a uh, score for that book. I actually really enjoyed it. I think all the artwork worked really well. I'm sorry that I only gave credit to the one, but um, I've enjoyed it, and I've enjoyed Street Fighter, so I'm going to give it a 3, probably 3.5. As a one-shot, I thought it was actually really well done. So Sweet. Uh, Mr. Ross? I'm going to give it a 3.5. 3.5 as well. I like Rob was saying, the art is awesome. And I really like that they're doing a comic to explain continuity between Street Fighter games and stuff in general. Just because, for me personally, I've had a hard time deciphering what the continuity is. It's true. It's really cool. And I, I wish more video games would do stuff like this and treat it as actual continuity between... Yeah, between games. the chapters and the yeah. games. Yeah, I, I really feel like Street Fighter is one of those games that, when it started, I don't know if they really thought that there would be a longevity to it. So I don't mm. think they really planned out how they were going to do all of their storylines. Mm. Charlie was a throwaway. He was never supposed to be really used. When they went into the Alpha series, you know, somebody really dreamed up a great character, and no, none of us wanted to let him go. So I'm glad to see them kind of building this up, and I like that... You know, Street Fighter Three is the one that kind of gets totally forgotten, mm-hmm. and this whole Udon series has been bringing back and making Street Fighter Three be a big part of the overall story for Street Fighter. Yeah, that's way cool. That's uh, it kind of reminds me. I just recently have been looking at the stuff again. The old, the first F Zero game for the Super Nintendo, the instruction manual had a comic book in it that explained the story. For oh, the really? game, I didn't realize that. Which is really cool that that's because there's no story to that game if you play it, but if you get the manual and you read the comic with it, you get this cool little story for Captain Falcon and Samurai Goro and all the characters. Oh in yeah, there. that's cool, huh? I, it taxes my brain, but I do remember that being there. Mm. Huh? Pretty I'll be, awesome. I'll be damned. 
Um, well, yeah, I would give it a three and a half also, uh, score wise. I mean, the art from all this Udon stuff has been great. And Udon, as a company in general, they do a lot of art books and they do a lot of art production things, which I think that also helps lend them being closer to some of the, I don't know, some of the game companies maybe. So, as far as the way this one's set up, it's a good read. And like you said, I mean, Charlie was a throwaway character. He was the backstory for Guile. Yeah. And now he's come full circle with this crazy, crazy mixed backstory and current continuity, and it's pretty awesome. Anyway, so yeah, I give it a three and a half also. I mean, like you said, like you both said, the art's fantastic. Um, all the Udon stuff so far has been. The Street Fighter G.I. Joe has been great art, too. Yeah. So they're doing really great with the Street Fighter stuff right now. I'm pretty happy with all of it. Um, but yeah, I would, I would give it a three and a half as well. So I can say my score three times. <clears throat> Take that. That's maximum retention. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right, so let's uh, move on to Green Lantern 50. Uh, Mr. Ross, you want to tell me some stories about Green Lantern? All right, so it's Green Lantern, issue 50, written by Robert Venditti, and penciling, penciled, 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 penciled yeah. by Billy Tan and Vincent Cifuentes. That's pretty good. Yeah, yeah I didn't... I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> all right yeah green lantern 50 is a pretty crazy story um i haven't been keeping up very good with green lantern so i don't know if any of this stuff has been covered before but the issue starts out with hal jordan it says a universe somewhere else in another time and it's hal jordan seeing the destruction of coast city and so we're assuming that's pre-New 52 when Cyborg Superman, that was who destroyed Coast City, right? Yeah, Cyborg Superman and Mongol. Yeah. And so you see him, and he's like, I'm never going to let this type of thing happen again. And you see somehow Parallax, Hal Jordan, so afterwards, in that continuity, is somehow in our New 52 again, which is probably from Convergence. It is. It's yeah. one of the few things that came out of Convergence. So, essentially, your whole story of this is uh, our Hal Jordan, who has the crazy power gauntlets and stuff now, mm-hmm. is at his nephew's birthday. And in previous issues of Green Lantern, I guess, his nephew was at an amusement park that got attacked by a supervillain, I want to say. Yeah, there was a different episode where that happened, or a different issue where that happened. Um, and, and now he's in a wheelchair. And so Hal's trying to do anything he can to make it up, but... He doesn't work a regular job, and he doesn't have actual money. So he comes in and uses his gauntlet things to make green light decorations. And, of course, the kids think it's great. And the dad's like, I gave you money to get regular decorations. What would you do with all of it? And it turns out he bought the the nephew a drone. And the dad's like, oh, great. You got him a high-speed uh, lawnmower weed trimmer or something that can spy on people. Good job. And anyway, they go outside and they're playing with that and uh Parallax, Hal Jordan, shows up and he's like, you're all supposed to be dead. And he's like, I'm going to do everything I can to protect you. The person I need to stop for this to happen is Hal Jordan. And so he's going after himself. Um, so to, to get the rest, you should definitely check out the story. It was a really cool, cool showdown between two different versions of Hal Jordan. And it, it's really cool in general to see Parallax Hal Jordan again. And especially because he thinks he's a hero. And, like, we know 
that Parallax Hal Jordan is definitely not a hero. That at he's all. freaking crazy. Yeah. Oh yeah. The teeth tell you. Mm. Crazy teeth. And, and then it starts out, and he doesn't have those. But as he gets more like upset about things, they right. start coming out more. Yeah, it's it's cool. Uh, overall, as a book, the, the story was awesome. The art was really really good in this issue. I would give this probably a three and a half as well. Really good story if you want to read just like some classic Green Lantern, basically, the Hal Jordan story. Right. Um, you know, I, I'd give it a four. I mean, the art in it is actually fantastic. I mean, it's really, it's good. The story itself is really cool. I, I, Hal Jordan turning to Parallax, I mean, that was wheelhouse for me, Green Lantern, back whenever I was reading Green Lantern for the first time. I mean, Hal has always been my guy. Kyle would probably be my second, and then after that, John and, uh, and Guy. But as far as like reading is concerned, like I remember reading this that stuff when it was coming out, you know, and like mm. man, there's no way this is Hal Jordan. And then them fixing it later on, making the story different with the whole parallax entity and whatnot, really cool. So like seeing this again, just from a different point of view, pretty awesome. And mm. I, I like the parallel difference in how the two of them talk to each other. It, it's it's interesting how how our Hal in the current continuity basically tries to explain things to Parallax Hal, and he just ain't having it. It does, doesn't matter. He just ain't having it. And you know what's really interesting about this is when New 52 started, they said Green Lantern was one of the things that didn't really change. Right. And they kind of treat it like this, like that in this book. Like, without giving too much away, they... I mean, it starts... It doesn't specifically say pre-New 52 universe. It just says... No, it's just an alternate universe. Like, the Hal that we're dealing with, our Hal had his time as Parallax, because mm. he talks about it. Mm. So, yeah, it's it's not like the two realities are separate from each other. It's like this reality, he never got better or never got dead. See, um, what I'm thinking is that this just might be Parallax, Hal Jordan, jumping to the future. He's not actually switching to a different universe right oh, now. Oh, man, that's an interesting concept. Mm. Maybe. Just still, my idea. That's an interesting concept. I mean, it's possible, I guess. Let's we'll see where it plays out in the next few issues. But yeah, it's it's a pretty good issue. Um, Rob, you got a score from that book? Yeah, I've actually really enjoyed the the Green Lantern series. It's gone through a lot of different changes as as we've continued, and it's neat to see Parallax come back. Um, I'm interested to see where they're going to go with this overall. I, I'd give it a a three. I actually really enjoy the book. So <laughs> good job. <Yay. laughs> Uh, Billy Tan is fantastic. He's the man. Yeah, he is. So, there's, there's that. Um, <laughs> but it is, it is a huge oversized issue, so. Yeah, it is. This U50 is for most of the, uh, DC books that are hitting 50, um, are bigger books this month, uh, just because of their, the issue 50s, they made them a giant size type issue. So they are bigger. Uh, they do carry a little higher price tag, but it's because of the page count. So, it's more of an event, like the old days when 50s happened. Instead of chromium covers, you get more pages. Nice. I would like both. Well, Cake yeah. and eat it too. <laughs> Shiny <laughs> stuff makes me happy. If you hit one or the other, though, I'd definitely take the more pages over the more content. Yeah. Well, yeah. All right, Ross, you're content man. <laughs> I'm like, give me something shiny. Dig out of the ground <laughs> like a smart fair animal. <sighs> Lives in the woods. <laughs> all right. Well, man, that was. Yeah. God. All right. <laughs> Let's move on to uh, <laughs> Mockingbird number one from Marvel. Uh, um, this particular cover, the uh, normal cover, is done with Miss Joelle Jones, who's fantastic. Uh, as far as writing, it's written by Chelsea Kane and uh, Kate Nim- Nimzik. 
I think that's how you say it. Katie, if that's not right, I'm sorry, sweetheart. I'm sure it's close, I hope. So, uh, Mockingbird, uh, stars our, our Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. favorite, uh, Miss Bobby, which is who I like. Um, as far as, like, a story is concerned, like, the book's pretty good. The art's really good in it, too. I, I like what's going on in here. Uh, as far as, like, startup, I mean, we open up and she's kicking down doors and kicking in doors, and then we get a pretty cool, like, there's a lot of inner monologue in here, and it's another one that if you go too much into it, it just reveals, uh, like, everything. So, it's gonna be short, too. At least our overview of it's going to be short. Yeah. But yeah, the way it opens up, you know, she's coming down a hallway and basically winds up kicking in a door. And uh, then she's like, hang on, maybe I should go back to the beginning. And we flash back to a week earlier. And we wind up learning about how S.H.I.E.L.D. is set up and how they have special treatment centers for all their S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, employees, as it were, or superheroes. Because just like us, they have to go to the doctor, you know, get medicine when they're sick, for cold, flu shots, uh Prozac, whatever. <laughs> and so, S.H.I.E.L.D. has their own organization set up for that. It's happens to be about ten floors down, I think, is what they say. And then underneath uh, some park in New York. I can't remember what the name of the place is. Either direction, it's under the ground. Um, but yeah, as far as, like, setup, we went immediately, we start went picking up with Bobby, and she's going to these appointments. Um, because she's been ordered to after all the stuff that's happened to her. And if you, you have no clue what's happening with Mockingbird at all at this point... She had some, she got some injections from Nick Fury and some of these super soldier serum. And that together makes for a cocktail of crazy, I guess. Yeah, the, the super soldier serum and then the Infinity Formula both were injected into her from uh, Nick Fury's blood. In order to keep her from dying. And so the main reason she's having all these tests done is, I guess, because of that. I mean, after all, Infinity Formula is not like FDA approved or anything. I think there's a quote of that in the book, actually. Yeah. Which is super nice. funny. Um, but yeah, so she goes through those, and we go through a few different days with her, and progressively see things shifting in a crazy way. Um, I'll only give you one more part. The, 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 I want to say the fifth day, or the fifth week she goes in, she's in there with uh, Corgi Dog with her, and the Corgi looks super happy. And she gets called to the nurse to go back to the to get weighed and have her blood drawn and answer random questions that they keep asking her. And she's like, don't you want to know about the dog? And the nurse is like, nope. And they just keep on walking. And I think that's freaking hilarious. Because <laughs> you know the dog's not there. Awesome. Oh, I didn't. Yeah, it's awesome. But yeah, any more than that, I mean, we want to see quite, quite a shift, actually. And if you wanted, to, if you ever wanted to try to follow this character or whatever, if you picked her up in this particular book, I think this is going to direct the way they go with her probably... Uh, any time for the next couple years, probably. At least in the comic books. I imagine the Shield show probably won't ever lean this direction. But Mockingbird, in general, she's an old school character. Was in the West Coast Avengers with Hawkeye. She's been around for a while. Um, but yeah, as far as like what's happening now with her, this is the book to get on to do that. And there's some really funny parts in there. We get to see a couple different costumes she wore for short periods of time. Uh, it... it Book-wise, it's just, I it was really fun. I liked it. Like I said, I can't, man, anymore, it's just like, there's just too much inside there to, that hurdle-wise is just too much of a giveaway. So, yeah, I would say read it because it's good. How about that? That's true. If, if you like a more supernatural story, this is going to be a good one for you. If you like a more down-on-the-street-level character book for you, I mean, this this is going to be good for that, too. It's a great spot to start up if you've never read Mockingbird before. 
And if you're an older fan of hers coming back to her, it's a great place to be as well. Really fun story. Love the artwork for it. So, but yeah, once again, you almost can't say much about it without giving away too much. Right. Which is good. I mean, it means there's a lot of things to learn and, and get from it. Um, Score-wise, I would give it a four and a half. Like, I really liked it. And I do really like this character. I really enjoy Kate's art. Like, all the books that, I, that I've been pissed at the last couple months with the, the Batgirl and the, the, the Phelan for the Patsy and Squirrel Girl, like, this one makes a win out of it. So if they, if they took this direction a little more on those other couple books, I think I'd be happier with them. Will it get the acclaim that the other ones get? I, you know, who knows? But this one I would say is a winner. Anyway, uh, Rob, uh, score for the book. You know, I, I'd give it a four as well, actually. I, I really, I really enjoyed it. Like you said, actually, this is the element that you want to shoot for. You know, if, if you're looking for a super tough, great female lead book, Mockingbird looks like it's going to shape up to be that. So I'm really happy with it. And if you're, you know, you, you don't want something that's just going to follow the show either, this is a great one for that too, because she's really breaking new ground with this book. So... Yeah, it's different stuff than we've ever gotten from Bobby before. I mean, he's a character or whatever. I mean, like I said, she's been around for a while. We're talking West Coast Avengers days and before that even. I mean, she has a long history with Hawkeye, which granted at this point, part of that's in question because of the whole scroll invasion thing. But uh, which parts are real, which parts aren't? I mean, at this point, I'd say it doesn't matter. Probably not. Character-wise, though, it, yeah, good, good stuff. Uh, Rob. Sorry. R R Ross. <laughs> Um, Lucky day. Tell us, tell us what you think about that Mockingbird book and give it a score, please. I'm going to agree with a lot of what you just said. In that, I th well, I said a lot. I think that it is the way you should do a strong female-led book, and it's not just as like not trying to aim. I don't know how to say it. Like if you've read those books, you know the the tone they're going for. And this book is, is like you guys have said, a kind of more down-to-earth superhero. But having these crazy visions and, and a lot of character development and the art is really good. Personally, probably not my favorite character ever, but I would probably give this one a three and a half. It's, I guess, what I'm giving everything tonight. But. <laughs> good job, Ross. That's all right. It's consistency. That's what we like. Yeah. I what I like about it is it's the same reason I really like New Avengers mm. when I think it was Bendis who was working on it. It has a level of mundane. Along with the level of like real superhero kind of action, yeah. So, I I think I think what you're looking for was like those books. They really don't feel like they're they really feel like they're trying to fit a niche rather than trying to make a character and, and moving on a new story. They feel you know they they feel like they're cashing in rather than actually making something new. You're right. That's basically exactly it. Yeah, and I think this this book feels very much like we're trying to make something new. Mm. So. Build some build character, build on what you know of that character already, and uh, yeah. And and for those people, you know, like I I followed all of those Mockingbird, um, Hawkeye books that came out, so I'm I'm glad to see this one come out. And it's not a Mockingbird Hawkeye book; it is just a Mockingbird book, and I think it's going to continue to be strong like that. Well, yeah, the reunion book wasn't bad either, the miniseries, but no. as far as it being a, a, a character book instead of a duo book. Yeah, pretty happy about that. Yeah. 
All right. Well, uh, let's see. We were going to move on to see what we're doing tonight, Ross. We're doing some uh, favorite crossovers. Yeah, talk about some of our favorite crossover books. All right. Well, I know somebody likes crossovers a lot, so I'm going to let you start over there, Ross. All right. Sounds good. That's like, I don't know. Crossovers in general and anything have always been one of my favorite things, just in general. Like, I love it in video games and in TV and and actually in comics, crossovers were one of the things that really had me start reading comics a lot. Um, I had read Marvel stuff kind of growing up, not really consistently, but I'd read little pieces of, of Marvel, of Spider-Man and Captain America, and I think I had some Avengers trades, but I was never super, super consistent on it. When I got really, really excited about comics was is after this book had already come out, but it was what got me back into reading comics a lot was the amalgam stuff between oh, okay. DC and Marvel. And I got the Dark Claw, like the actual comic booky Dark Claw. Oh, right, right. Yeah, the Batman but, and uh, Wolverine cross. Yeah, and then they made one that was more like an animated series version of it. They yeah. did. And I got both of those, and those actually got me started reading Batman. And then I was, like, hooked on comics after I started reading Batman more consistently. Um, right, and there were a couple of those amalgams that were awesome. I mean, Speed Demon, great. Mm. I really wish that we'd get a Speed Demon book because it was awesome. Yeah, it was an awesome idea. And, and, like, the book in general, going back and reading it, like, the Marvel, I don't remember what exactly that book was called. Because they had an Avengers versus Justice League, but then they actually had the one that started the amalgam universe, too. And it was an okay book, but it was just the idea that you could have, you know, Batman and Captain America in this death battle that none of them are, neither of them are going to win because they're both evenly matched. And right, that was the issue where you had uh, Aquaman drop a whale on Namor to beat him in their fight. It didn't really make sense why they were fighting, but you got to have these kind of cool fights. And then afterwards, you got the Amalgam Universe, which was. All of the superheroes mixed together. Everything smashed together. Which is crazy. Right. So that was one of my first uh, first books that got me into comics and one of my first favorite crossovers that I've read, too. Right on. It's good stuff. I mean, the Amalgam Universe offered a lot of different things, and maybe it was just a matter of the companies building something to where if you combine their things together, they already own the rights to them. Because mm. a lot of those, like the Speed Demon one, it was basically Ghost Rider and the Flash mixed together. Mm. Awesome. Uh, Dark Claw was Batman and Wolverine. So, like, I mean, those those are just two. I mean, there was a slew of other ones. Mm. I mean, we had, God, well, there was one where they took Howard the Duck and mixed him with uh, Lobo. Lobo. Yeah. Lobo one, the Duck. Lobo the Duck, that's right. So, like, there were some that were pretty out there, but as far as, like, content, a bunch of them were really cool. Now, the Patriot one, I don't know so much about that one. It wasn't really like my favorite. Super, Super Soldier? Soldier? Super Soldier, yeah. It was, it was all right. But still, the concept was a really cool idea. Mm. But Speedium, that would be my win right there, because it was fantastic. Yeah. It was awesome. Yeah, they were they were really cool. Um, I've also really liked when you mixed, like, superheroes with movies and TV-type stuff. So they've had a lot of, like, Batman versus Alien and Batman versus Predator and Superman versus Alien and Superman versus Predator. Yeah, Batman fought the Predator, like, three different times, three different series. I'm pretty sure there was a Batman and Superman versus Alien and Predator, too. You know, I don't remember them teaming up against the Predator. I do know that there was a Green Lantern versus the Aliens, uh, two-part. And yep. then there was uh, the three different series of Batman with the Predator. 
which was fantastic. And then Superman and Aliens, there's at least the one series. I don't remember if there was a combo with Batman as part of the title line or not. Um, but yeah, Batman and the Predator, man, that first one was great. Oh yeah, the first one was fantastic. If you've, mm. ever, if you've never gotten to read it, it was basically like you took Tim Burton's Batman and put him up against the movie Predator. So well done. Mm. Now, it is one of those ones where it's diminishing returns. Each subsequent sequel, I think, was worse and worse. Yeah. But that first one was amazing. The only one I actually own of those is the Green Lantern versus Alien. And I, I bought that trade because I thought it was the one that made the most sense to me. Because <laughs> okay. like when I was looking at him, I was like, well, Batman versus Predator. I guess I could kind of see it. But Superman, I mean, Green Lantern versus Alien, they're both, the they're both alien things. And, yeah. They fight aliens. Yeah, the story itself was okay. I mean, there wasn't anything super fantastic about it, but it, it was cool to see those two properties mix. Right. Another one with Alien that they never made, but I wanted them to, especially with uh, when Star Wars was with, was with Dark Horse, was, uh, I don't remember which artist it was, but there was an artist that drew... Darth Vader fighting off aliens, and I was like, "Oh man, if you're gonna if you're gonna do any sort of crossover with Star Wars, that is the one that would make the most sense out of any of them." And it would have been really, really cool to see an actual book of Darth Vader and and different people in the Star Wars universe having to fend off xenomorphs. Like that would have been way cool. Yeah, I, I remember seeing that picture you're talking about, and I can't couldn't tell you did it. Um, if you Google it, you'll find it. But yeah, I, I don't, I don't remember who did that, but it was awesome. Mm-hmm. I want to think it was just one, one image, I think. Yeah, I think the guy just did one, and I'm, I imagine it'd probably be hard to convince the Lucas Company to do something oh, like yeah. that. They, but no, they wouldn't do it. No way. That would have been. Now nice. Disney, maybe they got deep pockets. Except for yeah, now actually, I've, I think it'd be harder for them to do. Well, that. probably. Because Warner Brothers has the aliens license. Yeah, I think Fox, but but still, I don't see them working together very nicely. No, not not in this not in this timeline. Um, recently, there's been, well, so that was superheroes with movies and stuff. Some of my other favorites have been uh, Superman, basically himself mixing with different cartoons. Um, so recently we had the DC Universe versus Masters of the Universe. Okay, yeah. Which was pretty cool, and it, I think it had a lot of build-up, and it kind of ended, it fizzled out a little bit in the end. Yeah, the, the, the ending might be a little weak, but it was really cool seeing Evil Orko, and that was, I don't know, it was cool. Yeah, it was, it was a good story still. I still liked it. Um, but previous to that, I want to say, what did we decide it was mid-80s or late-80s that we had the Superman-He-Man Oh, yeah, crossover. there was, the, yeah, there was, there's... There was that one, and then there was the Thundercats Superman crossover. Yeah, and that's what I was going to get to next, is the, the Thundercats Superman crossover is by far one of my favorites of all of them. Um, you had the Thundercats fighting Superman, and since they had magic weapons and stuff, they could actually hurt Superman. Right. And then they teamed up to fight Mumra in the end, I think. Well, of course, it ends in a team-up. But, yeah, it's a really cool story. And Crypto even showed up in that at the very, very tail end of the right. book for a minute, which was awesome. <laughs> oh man. Uh, I remember there was they did a there was a crossover that was done that I, that I liked a lot mostly because Michael Turner was connected to it. There, there was a Wolverine Witchblade crossover. Oh nice. And it was only a couple issues. I mean most of these 
I want to say the Thundercat one was only one issue, if I remember right. Yeah, it was. But a majority of these are, were limited series or two books or one book or whatever. But yeah, they did one with with him and her, and they did another one where they mixed. Uh, it was Marvel, another Marvel team up with it, Top Cow. They had uh, Ballistic and uh, Electra team up, and the art was fantastic. I cannot honestly remember the story. I don't know what the hell is happening in that book, <laughs> but I liked the way it looked a lot because it, it was so that for that reason I liked it. The Wolverine Witchblade one was was cool. Like it was a good story too. Nice. But yeah, there, there's a few other ones they did like that. But I remember those two pretty well, and I liked them a lot. I never got to read this. I've always kind of wanted to try to find the novel to read it. But they had an X Men Star Trek: The Next Generation crossover yeah, novel. Yeah, there's two different two two different comic book issues actually. Too. Oh, was there one with the Next Generation and one with the regular oh my Star gosh. Trek? So That's they crazy. both generate both both the TV series prior to all of our Deep Space Nine and stuff. Did crossovers with X Men. That's crazy. I want to say there were single issues, but there was two different ones. So yeah, we, we both captains John Luke and Picard oh. deal with the X Men. <laughs> nice. You mean John Luke and Kirk? Kirk. Oh, what did I say? John Luke and Picard. Oh, they're the same guy. Yeah, he's got a really <laughs> long name. Engage number one. Right, <laughs> man. Either direction. Yeah, there were two different books. Both books, good stuff. I'm gonna nice. stop. Actually, number one, make it so. That's the way you go. Yeah, see, <laughs> man. Um, there was another one I just thought of. Oh, what about the Punisher and Archie? Yeah, that's Archie's had some ridiculous crossovers. Um, Punisher versus Archie, I personally have never read, but the concept of it in general sounds out of control. Um, the other Archie crossover that I really, really liked recently, and I've mentioned a lot on this podcast how much I liked it, was the Archie versus Predator comic that just came out. Right. Just because how like how much it doesn't make sense, and it made sense all at the same time. Like you never would picture seeing Archie characters like that, but it, they fit a horror movie or a, like a Predator movie perfectly for the Predator to just destroy all of them. It was crazy. Okay, the end is a little weird, but mm. overall, it was still it was still a pretty cool read. I mean, you don't ever see Archie characters get cut up like that, so awesome. And I mentioned this when I think it was our end of the year podcast. But one of the reasons why I really liked it too was that the end of every issue of that had a different Dark Horse and Archie comics crossover. Oh, right, right, yeah, they had the little mini comics in them. And the, that the one issue that had Sabrina and Hellboy, and it was like the horror style Sabrina. Yeah, it was. That was almost as good as the whole Archie book itself. <laughs> um, and recently there's been a lot of crossovers. I know DC's been crossing over with IDW yeah, quite a the, bit. The folks, some of the editors over at IDW used to work at DC and vice versa. Mm. So there's a, there's quite a bit of cross with the IDW group right now. I mean, currently we have this, the Turtles Batman crossover, which it, all of us so, so far in the show have thought have been fantastic and it's been really good. I think mm. at this point we're about, I think we're three issues in now. Four. 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 Okay, and it's still good. I um, would, I, I was going to get into that one in a little bit, but that, I would say that's the best crossover comic they've made ever. I don't know. They did, they did a Star Trek Legion superhero crossover, and it was pretty good too. I'll give you this one. I guess the Batman one is a little more intense, and Legion superheroes, depending on who you are, you may not have an, that much of an affiliation with the Legion. I, I really, really like the Legion of Superheroes and uh, Star Trek, too. I thought those fit together really well. They did, and Jeff Moy was the guy doing the art for that, and Jeff's a 
friend of the show too, as far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, he's done some, yeah, he's really should work more actually, but yeah, he's, he's a great guy. But yeah, that particular crossover was really pretty freaking awesome actually. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like you said, the Turtles Batman right now is, is ruling it pretty hard. And I think, I think what makes Turtles and Batman so good was that a lot of these crossovers, intercompany crossovers, you have one company putting a lot of effort towards it and you have one that's like, uh, you can use our stuff, but we're not really going to promote it at all. And I think that's part of the difference that we've had with this Ninja Turtles and Batman one is that you've had DC actually trying to push it too. DC behind it driving the ball. Yeah, instead yeah. of it just being IDW, which is, is sad, but I think that's kind of, kind of the truth. It's probably, probably a good point, yeah. I mean, advertising-wise, there's definitely been more flair for it out there in the world. Not but, to mention, I think that that's been like... Ever since a lot of us were little kids, you're like, how cool would it be if Ninja Turtles met Batman? (laughs) Right. But, yeah, so so lots of really, really cool... Well, I mean, DC's got their own line of crossovers, too, with the Hanna-Barbera stuff, which we're getting ready to launch into a whole batch of new books for that, but they've been doing the Scooby-Doo team-up for a minute, and it's been good. They did the Batman uh, Green Hornet, which, uh, despite the writer, I thought was great. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we right now we have the Batman meets uh, or Batman sixty six meets Man from Uncle, which I think is good too, but for different maybe for different reasons. I mean, I know a little bit more about the Man from Uncle history mm-hmm. than I, most people probably do, and how the show back in the seventies got shaped by the Batman sixty six show because of its popularity. Because it started out super serious, and then Batman sixty six Camp actually changed the way the show from the, the Man from Uncle show worked. Like, they physically changed the writing style to be more like Batman until Batman ended, and then it went back to being more serious. Oh, that's crazy. So, like, the lean there is, is interesting. But, yeah, they've been doing crossovers for a minute and that, and that smaller press stuff. Mm. Like, uh, it's like they've been t- kind of testing it on their stuff that they don't think people pay as much attention to, I guess. But Yeah, I can see that. Scooby-Doo team-up has been awesome, and they've said before that that is that was kind of their launching point for their whole new Hanna-Barbera thing they're going to do now. So, um, as far as that goes, as far as like future stuff goes, that future quest looks like it's going to be one of the coolest things ever. And that's what that book is, is a giant crossover of Hanna-Barbera action shows. So things that don't necessarily, I mean, they all make sense on that they're actiony, but like, there's no way Johnny Quest would have met Space Ghost. <laughs> like, it just, well, you never know. They got the space. Uh, I think maybe once. No, maybe. I'd, yeah, no, 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 they've been the space. It was like space things that crashed. The giant spider with the one eye. And it was it? I guess it was made by yeah. the the doctor, so it wasn't really. Never mind. <laughs> it was kind of spacey. Another one I've I wanted to mention that I haven't got to check out yet, but I think I think Rob has is that Street Fighter versus GI Joe that yeah. just started. So I think that's a cool idea. That started out of a toy. Line, didn't it basically? Well, yeah, much. the group making has making the t- t- GI Joe toys made a run of Street Fighter toys back in the day, nineties, I guess. Yeah. And so, yeah, like straight swaps across for for the figures. Yeah, which was it was a great idea. It was pretty neat to see him actually put those two characters and that those two franchises together. Mm. Once again, I was kind of surprised with that because I felt like they would probably stick to Street Fighter Two. Mm. You're seeing brand new characters show up in there. Nice, but it's cool that they even went with the um, the the old file cards that the GI Joes did oh, for right, Street right. Fighters. At the end oh, of the that's way cool. Yeah, so I, I thought that was awesome. That's way cool. 
that's a. I guess the last one on my list isn't really a comic book, but it ties into it. Um, I showed Steve this the other day, cleaning out the garage, and I found my old Human Torch Transformer. Oh yeah. And those were so cool because they were they were the toys, right, of the different Marvel characters that transformed into the different vehicles. But what made them awesome is that they actually had like a little backstory on the back of the figures that explained that uh, Mr. Fantastic and Tony Stark found Cybertron technology and made these super mech suits for the heroes that transformed with it. So even though it was a toy, it kind of had this really cool backstory to it. And the bad guys, they just did the flip side. A Doctor Doom wanted to fight Mr. Fantastic, so he did his own version of it. That's awesome. But uh, a lot of them turned out really cool. Like, I really like the Human Torch one and the Iron Man and uh, Wolverine all look really, really cool. And then, well, like I said, if you ever get a chance to go online and look at the, the back of their boxes, they all each have individual... You use this person's power, and we thought this car would work best for this person, so... Yeah. Huh. It's pretty cool catch-up stuff for the back of it, just for the concept. Yeah, I remember them coming out, and I don't ever think I looked very closely at them. So that's kind of cool. I like that. Yeah. That was a neat idea. They did it with uh, Star Wars, too, but they didn't have the like backstory to tie in with it, so it wasn't nearly as cool of a thing to me, at least. So, mm-hmm. You know, it's crazy to think that now we're in an era in comics where we're having not just characters appear that we never thought would would spend any time together but now we're crossing entire companies mm-hmm. to be able to do these things and it's incredible to think about that because you know I, for me i when i think of crossovers the first thing i really think of just in in comic history is that superman showed up with batman and robin on a world's fair poster mm-hmm. and people were like holy crap because that was like the first time these guys had ever appeared together. Yep. So to think, we've, we've come from Superman holding a hula hoop, you know, with, with Robin jumping through it, mm-hmm. to, like, cross-company yeah. exchanges. That's incredible. You know, we've, we've really come a long ways with this. But for me, I mean, one of the big crossovers that's going to always live for me is Batman Spawn. Oh, yeah. nice. With, with Fantastic, like, yeah. Like the Harry Houdini guy basically like being the chauffeur. And then it lived on further in the Spawn book. In the Spawn yeah. book because of the events of that of that title. Yeah, they straight up let, like, the, the image book kept pieces from the crossover. Whereas Batman went back home and just back to Batmaning. Whereas Spawn, like, he caught a battering in the face, sewed his face up with a shoestring, and then that was in the regular books for lots of issues afterwards. I mean, yeah, it's stuck. Quite a while. So it was something that hung around from the crossover, which doesn't happen usually. That's odd. way cool. That's actually, with the Batman Ninja Turtles, I'm hoping that some of that stuff lasts. I almost think it's going to. Mm-hmm. Surprisingly enough, um, IDW has been very big on the idea of not having a shared universe, but having shared events. Mm-hmm. And so like the Cthulhu attack that infected Star Trek and, and Ghostbusters and Turtles, in the Turtles run... That happened. Mm-hmm. They never got rid of that, and they never went, okay, well, that's just a one-off story. They actually kept that going on. Mm-hmm. So, And IDW's done a lot of those really cool crossovers just within their company, too. Um, well, right, yeah. Like, I mean, they did that one. They did the vampire one. Uh, there's one they've got going on, right? Um, gosh, 
the zombie one. They did that before that one. Oh, we yeah, had the yeah. zombies affect the Transformers. And, yeah, and yeah. showed them the G.I. Joe. I think that was the first one, actually. It their first been. big like, Infest- cross-country Infestation one. is what it was called. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, you know, for, for me, crossover is also... The ones that have stuck with me have been small ones, too. That kind of blew it up. And I guess now we're maybe we're a little jaded because, like, we get people popping in and out all the time. Mm-hmm. So seeing the new issue of Miles Morales 3 that's, you know, it's not out yet, but it has Miss Marvel on the cover, we don't think anything of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just normal. You know, they just pop in. Or, like, the Nova issue that is a total recreation of the Fantastic Four cover and it's Miles and Miss Marvel and, you know, we, we don't think anything of it. But the new Fantastic Four with Wolverine, Spider-Man, the Grey Hulk, Ghost Rider, that was an explosion, you know what I mean? Mind-blowing when it came out. Yeah. yeah. And honestly, like, it, not only me, but several people that we've contacted that are in the industry, that was an issue that was a huge changing point for them. Mm. And, you know, when, when, um, it, it makes me also remember the, the, the new Avengers, they were talking about that, and they sit down and they go, well, you know, let's plan a new Avengers book. And they actually had to, like, break their own mold in the idea that who can be an Avenger and who can't be an Avenger. And now we don't even think about it. Right. You know, Squirrel Girl as an Avenger? Fine. You know, Sunspot? Fine. But at the time, characters like Wolverine, Spider-Man, they would never be Avengers. Mm-hmm. Luke Cage, you know, they just didn't fit that mold. And so, you know, they had to kind of break the idea of what you could have in a character or in a series which would have been crossovers before. Mm. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. Um, but for me, one of the one of the ones that'll always live for me, even though it broke a lot of comic collectors' souls, and I'm sorry, but Executioner Song, for me, was one of the greatest crossovers there was. It brought all the X families together. It ran through different art styles, different books. Nice. Um, it told one large story that affected many other parts of the issues, and I know it did. You know, it killed a lot of fans. But I actually like that series. Just their souls, Rob. <laughs> Just their souls. They, they don't need that. No. no. Overrated. No. Ex- Execution Song was fantastic. Now we get that kind of all the time. I mean, Battle for the Atom is the same thing. Yeah. So it's not like what what it was then, what it is now, different things. It's true. But yeah, um, all, all good books. I mean, yeah, as far as like setup, if you get a chance to read that Spawn, that, that Batman Spawn, I would, I would read it. If you haven't turned in the Turtles Batman yet, you really should. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as like other books coming out, like we were talking earlier, the Future Quest book is gonna be great. Mm-hmm. So if you if you want to dabble in that, that I would say that would be an awesome place to start. I mean, Space Ghost and Johnny Quest and the Herculoids, man, it's a giant mess of characters and it should be awesome. Yeah, it'll be way cool. Right. And I guess uh, next time Archie crosses over or something, you might keep an eye out so on that, too. So far, they've been good, man. Yeah. That Predator Archie was crazy. Mm-hmm. I, I do want to ask a quick opinion question of you guys, mm-hmm. just to see what we're thinking, right? Sure. Because right now we got the popularity of Deadpool Spider-Man, right? right? There's some people who kind of feel like Deadpool Spider-Man will eventually break down, and it's going to become like a Spider-Man or a Deadpool team-up book again. Now, back in the day, there was a lot of series that were two-in-ones or versus books or presents books. Mm-hmm. The question I'm, I wonder is why why doesn't that work anymore? 
because it really seems like every team book, every versus book, every hero of the month book, it just doesn't work any longer. Well, I, I don't know if it doesn't work, but I think part of the problem, like, if you go back to DC Comics Presents, mm-hmm. it started out really strong with Dead Man, then with the Challengers of the Unknown. And Challengers of the Unknown, well, their name says it. M- most people don't know who they are. Now, if you're an old school comic reader, then you would have an idea who those characters are. But if you're somebody that's, that's new to the New 52, Challengers of the Unknown, you don't have any clue who they are. So, five books about Challengers of the Unknown, and you're like, well, this is boring. Because they're adventurers. I mean, they're not bad stories, but at the same time, you just went from Dead Man to five guys running around in coat. Well, three three guys and one girl wandering around in like expedition coats, purple jumpsuits. Right. <laughs> like you have no clue what what the hell is going on. Yeah. And that shifted into Vandal Savage, and then a couple other one-offs in the road. But by the time we got there, it was already broken for people. And I think that maybe the real reason that two and ones don't work anymore, or the duo team of books anymore is because you get that one month that the cells fall down and both Marvel and DC punch out. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. the book stays strong and continues to be in the top, I don't know, 50 or whatever. Then they would keep running it. But as soon as you get the one hiccup in the road that that month Booster Gold Blue Beetle happens and we're all like, that's the greatest thing ever. And everyone else is like, who the hell is the Ted Cord? Mm-hmm. The guy that died everybody cares about now. Like, oh, really? And that book falls... By the time it hits cutoff line, you got five, four more issues that come out because of the way the ordering system works, and the book's just done. It doesn't matter if the next ones are great or not. Yeah, no, it's, it's true. So I would say that's why it doesn't work anymore. Is the companies just don't have enough stick to it, enough to roll with the punches for it, and that's why. Yeah, that's what I would say. I, I would agree. I would also say that a lot of the like casual comic fan today is a lot more focused on big events and. And characters that they just know no matter what, and they're not as willing to just take a risk on something that might just look crazy. Right. Yeah, because, I mean, you you look back in the day, Brave and the Bold pioneered a ton of characters for DC. Mm -hmm. But you're you're right. I mean, without somebody to hang your hat on, I don't know if it even works. Mm -hmm. Well, just think about that, too. Without Brave and the Bold, you wouldn't have got Justice League or Teen Titans as teams. Yeah, right, that's true. Of course, he wouldn't have got Hawk and Dove either, but, mm. you know. And there you go. There, there's your bump. <laughs> like, I like Hawk and Dove just fine, but, uh, you know, again. At, at the time, you know, they were right. a big deal. But, yeah, I, I just, I kind of wonder about those things, you know. Because, you know, you, you look at it and it's like Amazing Fantasy. That's where Spider-Man came from. But now Amazing Fantasy wouldn't work. You know, Journey into Mystery, that's where Thor came from. But now... That wouldn't work. Well, it works as the title for Thor. <laughs> During the mystery Thor, with She-Thor, it works as a title, but as far as a concept with alternating storylines, no. Yeah, no. It's, uh, I don't know. I also think that a lot of a lot of the comic book culture has just bled into pop culture in general, and that where people were going just for comic books to get those things, they're now getting it on TV and movies and stuff. What you talking about, Ross? And so they're not not going towards the comic books as much for that kind of thing, unfortunately. Thanks. <laughs> Way to bring it down a level, yeah. Ross. Well, like think about it's not to not to disqualify Ross's statement because it's probably right. Um, another book to think of when the DC New Fifty Two started up, we had All Star Western, and it was originally designed to be a rotating cast of stories, so an anthology, just like. DC Presents, and then it, it got onto, it, I mean, open it up with Jonah Hex, 
And then we never moved to the next batch of characters because Jonah Hex did so well. Yeah. They weren't willing to pull the plug and be like, let's try somebody else. Mm. Is that better? I don't know. It ran a lot longer than we expected it to. Yeah. So, I guess. for Especially for that book series, I'm, I would say yes, but that's because I'm not a huge fan of the Westerns anyways. And Jonah Hex's story, like they really figured it out. And mm. it oh yeah, that, well. all those during all, all that particular run did really well. Like it really was good. I mean, more tap worked on it for quite a bit of time. It, it was good stuff. Again, I mean, it's it's Jonah Hex. So, like, as far as the story character is concerned, like I think he's awesome. But I'm not really a Western fan unless it comes to space Western. And even then, I question myself for liking things I like. <laughs> so there's that. I guess that's enough of that nonsense. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Well, it's, uh, that's a weird shift, isn't it? Take take <laughs> that, everybody listening. I don't have any clue what's going on at all. <laughs> uh, we went from, from team-ups to team-up books to what we like. Is and... there something else we can smash? Let's just talk about something else we can break. Let's not do that. Glass? <laughs> no, well, that would be easy. And throw it on the ground. <laughs> There's a song about that. <laughs> it's awesome. Ah. <laughs> All right, um, well, let's do some books to watch. Uh, Ross? Well, we just talked about a good portion of my books to watch for. You're not copping out, Ross. You're saying I, again. I'd say uh, Future Quest and Batman Ninja Turtles are awesome. Um, one we were kind of debating on for this episode was the new Power Rangers book, which has a is really good story and really, really good art to it. Um. Aquaman. I'm really excited for the new issue of Aquaman. And I'm I'm pretty excited to see in general where we're going with DC after this rebirth nonsense. So sweet. Uh Rob. Well, you know, if 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 you know me very long, you know what I feel about the Ultimates. Uh I'm really surprised, but Spider Man with Miles Morales is incredible. That's totally one to check out. It's I, I'm not going to go like crazy and be like, oh, it's the best Spider-Man book they're putting out right now, but it's definitely one of the better Spider-Man books, I think. Um, Nova's actually been great, and it's always needing people to come back to it and be be picking that up. Um, Power Man and Iron Fist was fantastic, and I'm really hoping that's going to continue to be very strong as we go. Uh, Birthright has been... Tremendous still. I think that's still being a great story. Um, since since Curtis is not here to say it for us, Invincible, which has been consistently a very, very good story. And it's it's been going through a lot of great things lately. Um, one that actually really surprised me that I got to read just recently is the Superman American Alien, which is dynamite, by the way. So if you're not a Superman fan... You need to pick it up because this will maybe make you think, rethink things. It could. The way it's built is really pretty interesting. It moves through different passages of time and deals with different situations and how he feels about himself in American, in, in the place of not being a human, how he views himself around us. It, it has a lot of really great points to it. And honestly, I've always thought the best way to make a Superman story is to take the powers out of the equation. And that's a lot of what this story does. So, and the newest one, number four, really explains Lex Luthor well. <laughs> Anyways, uh, big X fan, so the Extraordinary X-Men, I think, is still doing really, really well. 
I know there's one that's coming up that I'm forgetting, but I think I think that's good. Uh, oh, uh, Black Science and Deadly Class as well. So, <laughs> get a recommender in there. Um, and for Mr. Mike. Yes. Uh, so let's see. Well, yeah, I mean, book-wise, a bunch of what you guys have said are in my same list too. Um, I'm pretty excited for the new Spider Women crossover they're getting ready to have happen over at Marvel. A majority of that is because uh, I mentioned her again, Miss Joelle Jones, who's a fantastic artist. If you haven't got to check out Lady Killer from Dark Horse, you really should. Um, or Helheim came out from Oni. Uh, Helheim, more of a, uh, I guess more of a Lord of, Lord's the Ringy type. What, what era do you call that? Fe- it's not feudal era, is it? I guess well, it is. To, to quote a, uh, a great film, the Viking era. There you go. It's a very Viking era book, which is, it is fantastic. Um, but yeah, either of those two I say check out. Lady Killer is definitely on a read list, I think. Um, as far as like other stories, we're going to have the uh, C-3PO one-off book come up pretty soon from, Sp- from Marvel Star Wars. And I think that'll be interesting, if nothing else, because it's supposed to explain the Red Arm. I, I forgot one. Speaking of Star Wars. Oh, damn it, Ross, what? Poe, the Poe Dameron. Oh, Poe Dameron? Yeah. Po, it almost sounds like you're saying a swear word. Poe yeah. Dameron. That actually was going to be my new swear word. Poe Dameron. That's it, go. <sighs> forgot my keys in the car again. Right? That, <laughs> that one should be fantastic again. also. The next uh, next crossover for, or not crossover, next miniseries, um, I want to say starting this next, either the end of this month or next month. I think it's um, the end of this month. Yeah, okay, end of this month. Uh, it'll be the Poe Dameron miniseries. Awesome because it's the first one that connects to Force Awakens. Mm. And it's Poe Dameron, so that's pretty cool. So I think that'll be, yeah, at least the covers look great, so I guess we'll see. It'll have BB-8 in it and the coolest oh, X-Wing ever, now too, I see. So. It's got the robot in it. It's robot and animals. Yep. Man. Um, there's another one coming, ready to come out from uh, Image. I want to call, I think uh, it's called The Fit, I think is what it's called. Um, it's, uh, Nick Spencer and, uh, Steve Lieber, uh, dealing with, uh, like a detective cop, cop buddy duo in their bomb sniffing dog. Um, I've oh, wanted, yeah. I think it's called The Fit, I think. Is that right? Am I not getting, uh, I don't remember the name of it either, but I don't I know. remember the name of it either now. But it's Nick Spencer's writing it, Steve Lieber's p- penciling it. Um, if nothing else, I'm sure if you look two of them up, you'd be able to find it. It's coming out from Image. Uh, Wasn't he talking to us about that last year at Denver? Uh, Denver and Salt, yeah, yeah, Denver last year, yeah. So Steve, sorry if you're listening, Steve. Uh, my bad, man. I can't remember the name of the book. That's terrible of me. That's really bad. How do you suggest a book you don't remember the name of, Rob? How do you do it? Like it's your fault. How do you do it? It happens to me a lot. Oh, there you go. Like, I'll have <laughs> moments where I'm like, I have a really great opinion, and then I go and talk salad with stuff. He, he doesn't even like salad. Back to you, Raz. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, it, it happens. I'm sorry. As if it was you interjecting, it was my idea. That's what happens. All right, I think that's it. I, I don't. At this point, I don't have anything else. So, Ross, any parting words? Tiki. 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 All right. I'm, I'm not gonna do it. <laughs> yeah. That sounds even worse than scissors. Scissors. <laughs> 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 